Time not healing the wounds for the Seminoles so far. How will this Heisman race be remembered? And portal news, portal news, and more portal news. This is the College Game Day podcast for Wednesday, December 6th. Army-Navy week as College Game Day will head to Foxborough for Army and Navy coming up on Saturday. Reese Davis and Pete Thamel here. And Pete, a lot of times I've noticed historically in this um, now 10th season of the 14 playoff, there certainly hasn't been controversy to this level, save maybe in TCU quarters in 2014, the first year of the playoff. But usually it dissipates after a couple of days. Now we have politicians saying they're going to sue, uh, you know, people, people pounding the table and pounding the fist, and no good resolution is going to come from this. It's going to satisfy all parties. What, are you at all surprised that usually that it hasn't died down much after a couple of days as it often does? I'm most surprised, Reese, that the first nine years we never ended up in a taffy <laughs> pull like yeah. this. I mean, honestly, if you look at it statistically, and I wrote this ad nauseum 11 years ago, the math is bad. The math is bad. The math is bad. You cannot have five power conference teams and then crown champions and then squeeze them into four spots. Uh, plus, some teams would argue that they deserve two t- two teams in here, and some, some leagues have gotten two. Um the Big Ten and the uh, the SEC uh, over uh, over time, and so it just it just never made sense, and they kind of just uh, avoided stepping on the rake for these nine years. And that, look, that year one, I certainly don't want to discount TCU and Baylor's exclusion, um, but that was nothing compared to this. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if Gary Patterson was listening, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he would throw his AirPods out, uh, but and throw his guitar I, uh, at you too. Yes, that's <laughs> then I wouldn't have to listen to him sing, so that might not be terrible. Um, <laughs> I like Gary. I like Gary I, singing. He's a good singer. Yeah, I'm a Northeast guy, uh, so true. that's not my not my genre. But anyway, just gently, gently busting Gary's chops. <laughs> but I, I, I'm not going to go down the, the 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 rabbit hole from 14. But I am going to say this was destined to implode, and they navigated it to the point where it finally didn't work. Now. Should we have U.S. senators and people grandstanding? And I don't know. Like, of course no, not. No, it's, we shouldn't. You know. Do I have yeah. a ridiculous amount of empathy for the Florida State players, coaching staff, fan base? Absolutely. I really mm-hmm. do. Um, I uh, I said a few times on here, really thought they earned their way in. Really thought they had an elite team. I think just how good their defense was maybe got lost in a little bit of this. Like, their defense gave them a chance to play and beat any of those teams there period their offense did not have as good of a chance without Jordan Travis but I just don't think when you look at that accumulation of talent on the defensive line um how well their secondary played the you know the blend of experience I mean they're there that is a that is a vintage FSU defense loaded with NFL dudes mm-hmm. so um yes but when the arguments become performative is when I is when I tune yeah. out. So I went right into the. I kind of dove head first into the portal on Monday and left the screaming for those on the old uh, Twitter. And, and I want to point this out, sort of to re-emphasize the point that I've made time and time again on selection days over the years, both in football and basketball, 
my steadfast belief that performance does not validate or invalidate results. And I said that not about the playoff per se. If Georgia goes into the Orange Bowl and annihilates Florida State, that does not mean the committee got it right. It also doesn't mean that Georgia belonged in the playoff. And if Florida State goes in and beats Georgia or annihilates Georgia, same thing. Now, it, it will help. It will help the see I told you so if the offense performs well against that level of defense. But it still doesn't mean right or wrong because it's different circumstances, uh, different levels of motivation. Both coaches and programs are saying we're going to show up mad and we're going to prove a point. Well, that's on now December 6th and a few days uh, prior to that. Once we get to the end of December and there's been portal talk and are you going pro and you're getting hosed and why are we playing this game again? Hey, we should be in the playoff. When you hear all of that for a month, you there's no way to accurately predict whether either, both, or neither team will come out in the mindset that it might have otherwise had. So it, what happens in that Orange Bowl shouldn't change anybody's perspective. It doesn't prove a point. If Florida State gets beat by 50, it doesn't mean that they shouldn't have been in the playoff. It just doesn't. And the same would go on the other side. If Georgia wins by 50, it doesn't mean, see, they should have been in over Alabama or Texas or Washington. You know, I was going through some of these numbers. And it's, it's really funny because for years, the people, and, and, I, and I include myself uh, among this crowd, I think when you have the bad math, as you pointed out, that it can't just be the zero in the lost column. It can't just be the one in the lost column as opposed to the two in the lost column. There has to be some measure of evaluation, subjective evaluation about how those records occurred. So you like look at uh, Connolly's uh, SP plus rankings. Washington's undefeated. They're 11th. Now, SP plus and FPI both are predictive. So they, you know, they look forward as opposed to looking back. And that becomes an entirely different type of evaluation about how um, how appropriate that is when selecting teams to go in but they're 11th um, you know there but in the SP plus forward rankings you would have Penn State who's not even getting sniffed Penn State's fourth you know in in Bill's SP plus so you know there there's there's a lot of it to try to digest and say what's best and it's been you know it's sort of hit at the right time for the committee because or, or the wrong time, it, right in this regard. At least they won't have to answer questions about how you screwed it up last year when they get to next year under the, the new format. And, you know, much has been made about the ill-fated alliance and whether we would have had it. But that's, you know, that's all hindsight stuff, too. That's like going sure. back. That's like cherry-picking the argument if you favor, you know, if you favor Alabama or favor Texas or favor Florida State or, who, or Georgia uh, or Ohio State, for that matter, to get into the playoff. Um, that's like going back and cherry-picking an argument saying, see, 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 that one little point. That was a big deal. It was not wise. I mocked it at the time, the alliance. And, you know, but to come back now and say, well, you know, they got what they deserved. It's just a little, it's a little historical footnote that says, that reminds us all to be careful when you get mad, <laughs> you know, about, about yes. be careful when you get yes. mad about making 
uh, grand decisions and grand proclamations and painting yourself into a corner, a corner that they eventually were pulled out of because we have the 12 team playoff next year and could have had it, could have had it a year sooner. But you know, it's, it's a complex argument for sure. Yes. And I think, uh, when you act emotionally instead of at the behest of your constituency, Sometimes there's, you know, th- these are the, these are the consequences that we're uh, that we're that we're living through and, and, and dealing with now, and uh, it's too bad, man, because Reese, this would be an unbelievable twelve wouldn't it? playoff. Yeah. I, I really think if you step back and look at like why is college football top heavy this year, right? Like why? I'm sorry, I should say this. Why is there parity up top? Because let, let's face it, like. Alabama could beat Michigan, Michigan could beat Alabama, Texas could beat Washington. I have no conviction. Right. Uh, I have opinions on those games, and we'll break them all down here. But, like, this isn't some, oh, there's an they're an 18-point favorite. So how did college football get to the point where the top is this good and this even? And I just think that this is a byproduct of the portal era that we're in. Um, the, the, you know, Florida states of the world can cherry-pick a bunch of guys like Jared Verse and Keon Coleman and they can go win the ACC through through that. I think that um, we've lost a little bit of the middle class because if you're a redshirt sophomore at Mississippi State who hasn't played, you're going to go start at Western Kentucky, mm-hmm. right? Like the the freedom of movement has has lessened some of college football's monopolistic tendencies, and there were some mo- monopolistic runs, be it by the SEC, you know, be it by Georgia for a couple of years, be it by Alabama before then, be it by Clemson for a, for a good run. Um, and I just think, and you just look at some of the guys rolling through the portal from even Clemson in the last uh, in, in the last couple of days, guys that wouldn't have left in uh, in, in in previous years, uh, Bo Collins and the and the really good safety because they can go somewhere else, they can have opportunities somewhere else, they can go play in different systems, they can go play for different coaches. So I really think the world is flat on top of college football, although you can cherry pick. And, and do that, it, it is it is sort of given the top a little bit more evenness and parity. I mean, look at the portal. Look at uh, Michael Penix is a portal kid. Jalen Polk is a portal kid. Uh, Dylan Johnson, the mm-hmm. tailback with Mississippi <clears throat> State transfer, right? Like, so you can you can accentuate your roster at at the top, and uh, and I do think it has hurt the middle class, like the upper middle class, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, those those guys can't quite swing as much, so. But the point is, like, this is a this is a boom era for the sport. I mean, we're we are in it right now. You know what I mean? They're gonna be they're gonna be writing books about this season, um, in you know, in 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 upcoming years. And I, I just think that's a that generally, when you step back, is a great thing for the sport. And the, the it, there were some years, Reese, where you throw the twelve team playoff field out and be like, eh, like okay, that would be cool that they you know Ole Miss would go to Wisconsin and play in a snow, mm-hmm. and like there would be fun matchups. But these matchups are, are different. Like there's there is there is more quality one to twelve this year than there has been in any year of the last day. And, and you know that you know next year that much like in some ways maybe last year would have been a good year to go back to the to the BCS, um, you know, and just had Georgia and Michigan play in the championship game. Though I want to give TCU credit, they beat Michigan, but pretty clear at the end of last season that uh, you know Georgia and Michigan had performed at a higher level and TCU hadn't won its conference championship and all that last year would have been a year in which everyone would have accepted a BCS style national championship game you know we're getting that next year don't you 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 know that whoever number one and number two are next year 
are going to be 13 and 0 and you know number 3 is going to be 11 and 2 and you know number 5 is going to be 10 and 3 you know this don't you Pete well i do think the <laughs> the way records are going to look in the top 10 are going to change yeah. Reese, right yeah. like as scheduling changes and evolves like a three loss playoff team it's going to be like here in the NFC East or yeah. whatever right like that's just that's just the way it is and look the regular season games are going to be great i don't want to be uh the archetype of the dour, pessimistic, cynical Northeast guy, right? Like when we're standing there on the sideline for Ohio State, Michigan, or um, a, how about A and M? Note: I looked at Week One for next year because I'm I'm sick this morning. Um, where's Clemson, Georgia, Week One, and Notre Dame at A and M, Week One? That'll be some fun decision making for our uh, for our for our programming it, friends yeah. to uh, to de- to decide where our, or where our traveling television show is going to go. And I did not. There, there might be one or two others in that neighborhood. I I glanced at it very quickly, but I just thought I was just kind of like oh, I wonder what week one looks like. And FBS schedules, great site. Uh, love that site. Mm-hmm. You know, you you need to know the twenty twenty seven non con of Air Force. <laughs> they they've got it like they've got it dialed in. So I went and looked, and I was like, oh, those are two pretty. Uh, you know, those are two pretty good. Uh, pretty good matchups but losing from this point forward in college football is not going to be as punitive it's just very simple at the high end it's not going to be as punitive there's going to be these great games these great events people are still going to care the tickets are still going to cost a lot of money the energy is still going to be unmatched and that's what makes one of the things that makes the sport great it's just an hour after the game they're going to be like all right we didn't get a buy yeah not our hopes and dreams are dead yeah and and that's just consequences where we're going to live. Well, I said Monday that because of this situation with Florida State that, you know, I've not that I've been opposed to expansion, but I've really been pounding the drum that we're losing some of that. I'm not backing off of that. We're going to lose something, and we feel like right now it'll be okay because there will still be a game uh, in late October in Stillwater that carries national championship or playoff yeah. significance, and people are going to say, well, that's great. And, and it is. It is great. It's not as great as the winner-take-all Michigan-Ohio State one time rather than we're going to play this week and again next week. But there is some, there is some upside to that, too. Nothing is, nothing is all good uh, and perfect in terms, of, in terms of a format to determine the champion in college football, and nothing is all bad. So it, it's time, much like it was time you know, to go from the Bulls to the mm-hmm. BCS, then it was time to expand it to four and maybe should have expanded more then, but they didn't. And now it's certainly time uh, to do it on. It's also time. Uh, we'll get back to all of this when uh, Bill Connolly, who's scheduled to join us. I think Stanford Steve's going to join us a little bit later on, too. We'll mm-hmm. dive back into some of this. But with the Heisman Trophy finalist being announced, uh, mm-hmm. the quarterbacks that were expected and, and Marvin Harrison Jr., because they've, they've committed to take four finalists up to this point, all terrific players, great seasons. How do you think this Heisman race is going to be remembered? There are some that are quite memorable, especially even for the winner. But there are others sometimes that the player individually was great, but it's there. You, you don't necessarily have that big, giant signature moment other than maybe signature plays that were fun to watch. And I guess I say this because um, I haven't looked at the odds. I assume Jaden Daniels is the favorite. He, he had a remarkable season. And, but because they lost their biggest games, um, 
through no fault of his, he, he, he put up numbers. You know, he might have been a little shaky against Florida State late, but there was – there Florida State pulled away in that game, but there was a portion of that game where it looked as if LSU, you know, were – you know, mm-hmm. would be in really good shape to win the game. And Florida State, to its credit, flexed its muscle and pulled away late. Um, pulled away in the second half is a better way to put it. But, you know, they lost that one. They lost Ole Miss. They lost Alabama. And so after the Alabama loss particularly, they sort of slid off the radar. He still played, played well and put up numbers. Nobody else seized it. And I don't know that he's going to win it. it. Maybe it's going to turn out to be a really close race. How do you think this Heisman race will, will be remembered or will, will, will Jaden just be on the list of, wow, he had a great season. He'll be on the list of Heisman winners and in the fraternity. Yeah, I I think I'll remember it watching the uh, the game from Vegas, uh, the Pac-12 championship game. Because I think if if Bo Nix put up a Bo Nix twenty eight for thirty four, you know, three fifty and three tutties that night, Bo Nix would be your Heisman mm-hmm. winner. I, I'm like fairly confident in that. And I think if Michael Penix had not gone through that midseason slump, um, part of which is because Jalen McMillan uh, was was banged up, part of which was just they didn't play that great. Mm-hmm. Um, he would, I think, he would had a chance to really run away with the thing, right? If Washington had had, if their offense had remained a runaway train, instead they won a bunch of one score games. And I, I think in the end, when I was evaluating Michael Penix, I almost credited him for figuring out how to win those close games as much as I discounted him for you know the, some of the struggles, relative struggles, right? First world struggles, right. but yeah. still, like he was not. He was not as dominant, uh, you know, the Cal game. He wasn't great. The Arizona game, which again, in retrospect, was uh, was a good win. Uh, better win than we thought it would be at the time. Wasn't great. So I really think that, yeah, it's, it was kind of, it's kind of a weird, a, a weird race in, in, in that, in that sense where there were a lot of stakes uh, in, in that game in Vegas. Uh, I don't know. You, you get biased by what you saw in person, right? Boy was, boy was Penix special the day we were standing in the sideline in Seattle, mm-hmm, race, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he was he was really really good um, that uh, that that misty afternoon. Um, so no, I I think it's been it's been a little bit of a little bit of a weird race. Um, not maybe from you know some some different locales, which is kind of cool. Uh, I was told yesterday that Washington's only had he's the second Heisman finalist from Washington. Um, Steve Entman was the mm-hmm. other one. So you consider the firepower they've had there at the quarterback position uh, over the years. I thought that was uh, pretty neat. And uh, look, if Marvin Harrison scores a touchdown on that final drive that when Kyle McCord throws interception, I think his his Heisman race changes the paradigm of it a little bit too. You know, because he had the great moment against Notre Dame where he got him down there. And Marvin Harrison's been a blast to watch. He, uh, you know what a great he, player. He, so is Roma Dunze, by the way, and Malik Neighbors. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, it's been a high, high end uh, receiver year in uh, in college football. Harrison might be the best player. You know, I mean, Daniels certainly has uh, has a claim to that. So does Penix, I think, um, because I think there might be some extenuating circumstances that we would hope would be alleviated in these few weeks off prior to the Sugar Bowl, uh, where we will see you know uh, the real. Full boat, full strength, Michael Penix. Um, and I still, I, I agree with you. I think he deserves a lot of credit for 
navigating his way through what, you know, they've been very close-lipped about it, but he, he has looked to be in at least some degree of distress from time to time, you know, as you watch him, whether on the field or in the sidelines, and, and hopefully uh, hopefully he'll be 100% for the playoff because that's a dangerous offense, and he is a worthy candidate, and he might well uh, lift the Heisman Trophy on Saturday night when, uh, when it's announced. So it, it, I think it is going to be uh, an unusual year, and I just hope – uh, as I my party trick for people who go to boring parties of naming the Heisman Trophy winners backwards, at least until we get to the late 50s, when I sort of start getting mid 50s, at late to mid 50s, I start getting tangled up. Um, I'll have to I'll have to remember 2023, maybe, you know, when I'm 75 years old and I'm counting backwards to, to make sure we get there because. You know, because LSU sort of slipped off the radar a little bit, but Daniels certainly didn't. He's been he's been phenomenal, and I think people are. I think as as you and I get ready for the NFL draft, I think I think there might be some people who look at him and you know and maybe elevate him a little bit because of the way he played and the way the quarterback position is going uh, now in the NFL, and and this could work out quite well for him by the time uh, NFL draft time rolls around. Yeah, I did a, a, a list, Reese, uh, or like a little quarterback primer earlier in the year of kind of where we are. It was, it was a Caleb versus Drake, and then I kind of had a section of who's number three. And so that might have that run the first month of the season. And at no, like Jaden Daniels was not in that mix from scouts at that point. Um, you know, he was a guy who'd get drafted. They were going to evaluate. It's not like he came out of nowhere. But like the notion of him as a high-end prospect didn't really accelerate until midseason and give Mike Denbrock credit give uh Joe Sloan the quarterback coach at LSU credit give Brian Kelly credit that guy's career had flatlined plateaued and even dipped at Arizona State he did not develop when he was a quarterback at Arizona State he started off gangbusters and then slid in the wrong direction and I really think that they did an unbelievable job getting the most out of his talent and that position development is so important and it's not discussed enough and it's not part of the analyzation enough and I really think the hat tip to the LSU coaching staff for making sure Jaden Daniels maximized everything he could be another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Best in Game is brought to you by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. We're joined now on the College Game Day podcast by the great Bill Connolly, father of SP+, knower of all things metric and analytics. Uh, Bill, you took great exception uh, to, the, to the way the playoff was decided. Why? 
This it, it, I, you never really know what your values are in college football till they're violated. I think, and and this uh, <laughs> Sunday, like eighty five percent of the things that I hold dear to college football were apparently uh, violated on Sunday. I, it, it as a college football institution, uh, you know, which all, all the different parts of that we are a part of that. Um, it 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 bothers me that we made all the most cynical this is all about ratings people on the internet feel very very correct and we made the worst most conspiracy theory addled florida state fans on the internet and they are legion correct um in 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 all of their beliefs about how this process operates and and that that alone doesn't make it wrong but it certainly makes it feel pretty wrong it makes it feel like there should be some self-exploration into how that came about i want to ask you something though there because i want to as as host one of my jobs is to push back and it's also to give you a lifeline um you just said unless i unless i misunderstood what you said that we made the conspiracy theorists from Florida State correct. That's not correct. They're they're not correct. Okay. Well, it made them, All right. Fair it enough. Made them Go feel ahead. correct. Their their cynical their most cynical possible assumption. The okay. result of that assumption was what happened. Um, so yeah, no, like I no, I like I I I've met at least a few of the committee members through the years. Like I'm not going to pretend like they're. You know, they they were trying to be evil in everything they did. But basically, if you assumed the most the worst possible thing when it comes to the brands that 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 won on Sunday, um, then that was, you know, you would have guessed right. Uh, and, and that's that's problematic, even though, like I said, that doesn't automatically make it wrong, but it doesn't feel very good. But no, I mean, in the end. We, one of the, the critics, one of the main problems that critics had with moving to 12 teams here starting next year was that it'll devalue the regular season. You can lose games and it won't matter. And we, we decided to go ahead and ruin the integrity of the se- regular season from the other direction by saying it doesn't matter if you win all of your games. And I have a problem with that. I have a problem just in general. We did all this service of choosing the four best teams uh, over the quote unquote most valuable, and we didn't even get the best teams. Like SP Plus, the four teams in the playoff right now are first, sixth, seventh, and 11th. FPI, it's first, fifth, seventh, and 13th. There's a guy, Nate Manzo, on Twitter who posts like a composite ranking of SP Plus and FPI and all the best uh, predictive ratings or the most well known or whatever. And the, in the, that composite mm-hmm. are first, sixth, seventh, and 12th. So we devalued the regular season we went we chose best over most deserving and we got neither so i i definitely have a massive problem with that and i i've said all along like best shouldn't be it if we chose best mm-hmm. then georgia didn't need to play on saturday they're still one of the four best teams in the country uh but that doesn't mean they belong in that doesn't mean ohio state belongs to be uh to the playoff this year but they're among the four best, and they didn't get in. Um, and Alabama has not been one of the four best teams this year, and they did get in. So I, I have a problem with all that. I guess I just have a problem with, in general, you know, we were told a lot. Like, well, we've said all along we're choosing the best teams, and we're taking in, we're told to take injuries into account and all these things. Of course, like that, we, we were warned. But if this is the process we've created – and the first time in like nine years that they had a hard decision to make, they made this decision. Is, we is need the to decision come up with a as, process. as obvious as you believe it is? Because 
here's the here's the thing. I said prior to Sunday that neither decision, and it was pretty apparent. All all due respect to Georgia, and I understand what you're saying, and I actually agree with. If you're picking, you know, who might win the game, uh, you know, certainly Georgia might right would probably be the pick or favorite over just about everybody, if not all of them. But you know, if yeah. um, if if you're yeah, looking I mean, yeah. at at this from that standpoint, then what is is it as obvious this way because everybody defines best differently? How I've defined best is I've used the analogy several times of it's a mosaic, and you have you have thirteen people in the room, and as they put their mosaic together, maybe for some it is purely resume based or overwhelmingly majority resume based, and others it's uh, you know, you're asked the coaches in the room, I don't want to play this team. So that's a little more important to that person. And then you wind up with this result because I thought Brad, the great Brad Edwards, who longtime friend of mine, you know, used to work for us, follows this stuff, put, had a really fascinating point on, um, on Twitter, on X, whatever I'm supposed to say now on Sunday, saying that as it pertains to Florida state, that logically, you almost have to be in one of two camps. They're either third or they're seventh. Meaning that if you base it on you know, the mm-hmm. fact that they're undefeated, accomplished, and Power 5 conference, then they're third. If you are more on the line of, hey, wait a minute, you know, Jordan Travis is hurt, the strength of schedule is, you know, despite two good non-conference games, still mediocre you know, and, and lesser than the other ones, save Washington, I think, where they're closer to that band. Then they're, you know, they're seventh. And I, the first thing that occurred to me after Brad put that is, and I saw that in the aftermath of the rankings reveal, was like, the average of third and seventh is fifth. And, that, 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 and don't misunderstand what I'm saying here, either Florida State fans who are just looking for more fodder to get mad. I'm not saying that makes it right. I'm saying that that is a possible way that we arrived at this, that you had a number of those 13 in there saying, no, 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 no. They're third. They're undefeated. They're 13-0. and 0. You know, they've accomplished it. As Pete pointed out early in the podcast, they've got a, you know, fantastic defense. They might win the game 10-7, to 7, you know, against, uh, you know, whoever they're playing, and that's, and that's fine. And there are others going, I can't live with the, I, I can't live with the diminished offense, and you wound up with, with this result, which is part of, part of having the committee as opposed to having a formula spit it out because, as you pointed out, the formulas that we have wouldn't have spit out at least the predictive ones wouldn't have spit out anything like this. Uh, yours, for instance, would have Penn State in, and I know you're not advocating for that. So that that, but I, I only I no. only put that out there to say there is a difficulty in in finding the formula because there are times after this I said you know we'd be better off with the formula, but the <laughs> but then the formula you know we've seen that in the BCS era time and time again that the formula came out with things that that uh, made you question the logic of it. Can, can I just throw one fly in this here? And uh, some of this stuff is uh, like with the, with the formulas and everything is a little over my head, but I feel like this being the last year of the system gave the committee a pass because they're going to set a precedent with this that, that they're never going to have to revert back to. Do you guys agree with that? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's absolutely right. Like next year, if this was a 12-team playoff this year, then we would have been complaining that Florida <laughs> State didn't get a bye. Uh, so obviously now they have margin for error. That doesn't mean they got it right. And that doesn't mean... Well, they probably would have we- given it to them because they just wanted... They don't really... They were in. You know what I mean? Like they right. did, In this, they didn't want them in. Right, like- and... and- 
Two, yeah, two things uh, from what you guys just said, two things that I wrote about in the in the Monday piece, you know, one of them was, yeah, like Kenyon Martin, Cincinnati, the, the, the famous example in the NCAA tournament from 20 whatever years yeah, ago. Yeah, I know. God, has we, we, have to remind, we have to remind people of a couple of things when you bring that one up. One, that Cincinnati was the toast of college basketball at one time and, that, and Kenyon Martin was really good at it. That was the classic example of he gets hurt, so they were able to just kind of bump them to a two seed. They would have probably been like the number one team overall mm-hmm. with him or they were the number one team overall with him and and he, he breaks his leg so he, they're a two seed um obviously you have more margin for error now um but that doesn't mean we didn't just kind of wreck the legitimacy of the entire process for a lot of for a lot of fans out there who aren't sec fans or alabama fans or whatever and and that does that does matter and, and as far as formulas go i will say uh too like w- when i you know, last year when I was getting a little frustrated with the week-to-week rankings, I decided like, you know what, I'm going to come up with a, like a BCS. What would a BCS style formula look like in in 2022? Uh, and you know, I basically kind of it was half polls, it was half um, it was two predictive ratings, SP plus and FPI, and it was two resume ratings, uh, resume my resume, SP plus, and strength the record. So you mash all those together, you get kind of a best slash most deserving kind of deal. Uh, you factor in the poll rankings. And last week, the second to last rankings, you had exactly the top 10 that the, the playoff committee produced. Even though, you know, Jordan, Florida State had just played Florida without um, Jordan Travis with Tate Rotomaker in there. And uh, they were exactly where that formula would have pred- predicted them. This week in the last uh, set of rankings, it had the top 13 exactly correct, except for one exception. And I'll give you a guess as to what that exception was. Um, even w- even though the quarterback Florida State mm-hmm. played in this game wasn't going to be the quarterback that played in the playoff, they got bumped f- because of how bad the offense looked with this guy who wasn't going to play. And um, everything else checked out perfectly. Resumes, it even had Texas third, which kind of honestly surprised me a little bit, although that was mainly because the polls just coalesced completely with Texas suddenly being third. Um, But that formula gave us all exactly the same rankings except one very, very, very important exception. And um, like I said, it just, it, it, it fulfilled all the worst possible assumptions about college football in this process. And, I, uh, you know, kind of hate that. I think that's going to, I don't know, I, you know, ratings are going to be great. You know, just because people are more cynical now than they were before doesn't mean they're going to stop watching. Like, uh, that, maybe nothing changes. But I just, I don't like the precedent that we just gave a lot of people. And, and ratings, you know, hopefully rate, ratings, would, let, me, let me point out one quick thing. Ratings would have been great at Florida State had been in too. I think, yep. I think that's important. And yeah, yeah no, I mean, that's, we're not sure. talking right. about, yeah. and you know, the, the other thing, program. the other thing yes, too, I'm like. looking at the, and I know your formula might be more complex or whatever, but the strength of record formula, you think this made people mad. This, if we'd yeah. gone strictly off ESPN's strength of record, which, you know, has, has no eyes. It's, it's a formula and you spit it out. Florida state would have been in, yep. but so would Alabama. And Texas would have been left out, and you know that. Yeah. I mean that that would have uh, that yeah. would have been controversial as well. So, but the undefeated thirteen and no team yeah. would have gotten to play till they lose, and that that would have that's that that was the one thing to me. That was one of the biggest things a playoff was supposed to fix. There was yeah. no gonna, not going to be any more two thousand four Auburns. Yeah, and, and that you know that's the thing though. It's really it, it tests people for because for years there have been a number of people, number of people on our show. 
um, who have said you can't just say the zero is better than the one. You can't say that the one is better than the two. You have to have you have to use some evaluation uh, technique in this. And now you find out if you find out if Play people really lose. believe that. <laughs> yeah. No. And I. I, I think basically to me, the zero still matters. The one versus two, obviously, then we start getting into who, who would beat whom. To me, in my head, that's how it works. But if you, if you haven't lost, you get to play till you lose. And, um, okay, well, let me, let me play devil's advocate because I had a couple of uh, people in position saying, uh, okay, then, then why should anybody schedule? You know, it, I... I why no, should anybody uh, play uh, right, their stars on senior night? Now? Why? I mean that. I mean that. That's the that's the question. But I mean, you you get the point. I think the counter to that is every season plays out differently. And you know, if you're if you're applying it to Alabama, for instance, and said they had played uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi instead of playing Texas, they would have won. But in all likelihood, that team would have then just traded the Texas loss. Uh, that team sort of needed. Uh, something to calibrate itself. They probably just <laughs> traded it yeah. for a, a different loss. So, you know, I, I don't really buy that type of argument. But the, you know, the, the fact remains, though, that I, I agree with almost everything you say except the zero is greater than the one by definition. Now, it may still be in Florida State's case. And Florida State has no issue with the schedule. I mean, heck, they played two SEC teams, and the ACC had a winning record against the SEC. Um, But, you know, according to all of the formulas, the rest of their schedule was not as difficult as Alabama's by 50 spots. You know, that doesn't mean Alabama should have gotten in, but it does illustrate the point of whether we want the zero to trump the one always if they're in a certain set of conferences instead of an individual one because that's the bulk of the schedule. It's not because of the, the logo that you have on your jersey with the conference affiliation. It's because that is the bulk of your schedule. And so you look at it and you say, do you want that? And if you don't, then, then you're going to allow some subjectivity of a committee to evaluate. And if you do, then maybe, then maybe we should revert to the formula. So what's the answer? Would you, in the 12-team era... Would you, revo- would you return to a formula to determine the other at large, uh, the other at large teams as opposed to the committee? Absolutely, I would. Because um, I and, and really, I realize you know I was using ESPN tools, and we'd have to be very careful about you know how, it, it, in in a, an official process. Maybe SP Plus and FPI wouldn't exactly be eligible for for such a process, but. Like I said, just purely using two best and two most deserving formulas and mashing them together with poll results, you get basically the same thing. But the the differences going through the years were were pretty interesting mm-hmm. and noticeable. And just looking at the differences, I side towards the formula most of the time if it was team A versus team B. So yeah, I would absolutely. We know like the biggest pro- the biggest problem with the BCS formula was coming down to the number mm-hmm. two, as in you could only pick two teams. And um, obviously that, that 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 would have been a problem with a completely poll based process too. 
But the, the formula did its job pretty well. And uh, aside from the fact where when the humans disagreed, they changed the formulas and they neutered the formulas. You can't use margin <laughs> of victory anymore to determine quality, that kind of stuff, even though that's like yeah. the best measure of quality you can find. Um, there, like, we, that was the only part of the formula it, that I didn't Well, you know like what, Bill, what happened was, and it's formula. one of the reasons we got to a committee and it was one of, I, I think it was the one thing, I thought people overreacted to the BCS in terms of being evil. Yeah. But what happened was people in charge got nervous about public opinion. And so they were constantly revising the yeah. formula, tweaking, taking out margin of victory, whatever it might be, to try to account for uh, a unique set of circumstances. And by definition, unique means they won't occur again. And they won't occur again precisely in that same way. <laughs> right. And you say, oh, oh, see, don't worry. We'll never again yep. have 2,000 where Florida State gets in over Miami despite having the same record and having <laughs> lost Miami. We fix that now in the formula. Well, when you go, when you kind of retroactively fix all these formulas, to me, not knowing all the formulas as you do, <clears throat> but just people watching it undermines the credibility of the formula. And so if I doubt we go back to the formula, maybe yeah. we should. And you make a very compelling case as to why maybe we should. But if we do, here would be the piece of advice that I would give to the people in charge. Say, this formula may not be foolproof. Certainly it won't satisfy everybody. But it is the best formula we can possibly come up with, and it is going to be right or closer to right or more, more fair, more just, whatever word you want to use, you know, 99% of the time. And hopefully we'll never have to live with the 1%, but if we do, we have so much confidence in this formula that we're sticking with it. That's what that's what gave all of the BCS critics the yeah. fodder is that they kept changing it. And by definition, that meant you didn't believe in it. So if you if we go back to it, find one we believe right. in it and, it, it, and go all in. Yeah, it means to the critics, you're correct. This formula is terrible. Right. We're trying yeah, to make it yeah. better. Yeah, no, like put in a formula and basically say, we're not changing this <laughs> yeah. for 10 years. So live with it. You can't question it. This is this is now this is now the rule of law for the next ten years. And I mean, honestly, you know, if we were to go in that direction, it wouldn't be hard to go back and say, like, here is here is where I would have disagreed with. The, I don't know if you'd want to do this. This would be a whole new can of worms. But basically, being able to produce ten years of results, saying here is what it would have produced over the last ten years, so you know the differences. We know the precedents. And how, now, how about yeah, this? I've uh, <laughs> boxed out Pete here, and I apologize for that. Only one more thing. What about this? Because even though I'm an AP poll voter, <clears throat> I'm not sure that those normal mm. polls would be the right ones to put in there. What if, you did, what if you did this? What if you constructed the formula and you had the committee? They wouldn't have to get to, well, I guess maybe they could at the end. But you still had the committee. Not that the committee could trump it, but the committee's uh, evaluation, the committee's results then carried a certain weight within the formula. You know, that they got in, they got together, they evaluated some I of mean, the things that would actually be in the formula. They applied some subjective judgment instead of yeah. just a bunch of people, including, you know, me and the AP poll, even though it was not AP poll back then, I don't think. I think it wasn't because the AP removed, they, they removed itself it from ended up being the Harris, Harris, Harris poll. That's what the Harris yeah. poll sort of attempted to do. But if you went with the, um, if you went right. with the committee, and they went through their process just as they do now, which is a, a pretty good process of evaluation because we've all been through it. 
They go through it. They get their results. And that is the quote unquote human component of the formula. That's the result that goes into it. It carries whatever weight is deemed appropriate. And then it goes with all of the other subject. I mean, uh, pardon me, objective measures of the formulas. Yeah, I mean, I think um, yeah, you're right. I mean, that was kind of what the Harris poll was trying to do, except once. But you filtered out like a bunch of the media people who follow the sport the most and you filter out coaches and all this other stuff. And it was just kind of whoever's left can vote in this poll. But um, no, like I would say either make it as big a poll as possible or if you think it would be it would add to legitimacy to basically say it's these 20 people. Um, you, you know, you don't have to stick to whatever it is, 12 or whatever, but make it 20 or 25 or something and basically say like, they're going to have a, they're going to have a zoom call every Sunday morning and then they're all going to vote. And that's going to be the human component. Like that's, that's fine. Um, but I do think we, you know, Heather Dennich's piece from Monday is, it seems like one of the playoff spots was at least partially determined by a bunch of people sitting in a room watching television and going ew to Florida state's (laughs) offense. And that isn't part of the guidelines. Um, even though at the same time, Florida State was playing the best defense in the country, making Louisville's offense look atrocious in a way. Like, it's been an up-and-down offense. Hasn't looked that bad, anywhere close to that mm-hmm. bad all year. Florida State's defense was doing that. Uh, but it was just the half of the game when Florida State had the ball with a quarterback who wasn't going to be playing in the playoff that determined a playoff spot. And that's that's why the human element alone isn't good enough, I don't think. Pete, take us someplace else. I want to know this from this from Bill. Uh, just give me a quick snapshot of the playoff matchups because they are great matchups. Yep. And again, I understand the the sewer that the committee left <laughs> us to to uh, Shawshank through, and I respect it. And I really feel awful for for those left in the waste. Um, but we have good games. And eventually, we're going to really spend a lot of time dialing in on these games. We're going to do deep dives with scouts and numbers and analysis. Uh, but I just want like your what yeah. like what what's your quick brush blush off this? Yeah, I mean it's it is. I mean, there's no question. Both matchups are interesting, especially because it's it's the specific pairings that we got too. Um, it, it feels like offenses have the advantage in the Texas Washington game. Um, it feels like defenses have the advantage in the Alabama Michigan game. So it's kind of, you know, something for everybody. Um, again, defenses would have had the advantage if Florida State was there too. But I'm moving on. I am going to move on now. Um, I'm going to make sure my Alabama Michigan preview doesn't have 38 Florida State <laughs> references in it. I'm going to, I'm going to officially kind of wipe the slate clean. Um, but I mean, hard you just, drive. <laughs> but, but you look at the matchups for Michigan, Alabama specifically. I mean, both teams we know are going to run the ball. They, you know, top 20 in run rate on first down. They really want to establish that aspect of the game. Uh, Alabama is going to be doing it against a Michigan defense that is fourth in rushing success rate allowed, as good as you're going to find against the run. Uh, granted, it's it's Big Ten, Big Ten style running game, but Alabama's got some Big Ten in them this year. Um, but then on the other side, you got a Michigan team that doesn't have Zach Zinter. Um, and isn't really has played a ton of elite defenses and hasn't really run the ball very well against them um, and has relied on J.J. McCarthy to come up with very specific passes in very specific moments to kind of keep the chains moving. 
And I don't exactly know how that plays out. Uh, you know, Alabama's got, you know, Michigan has most of the advantages on paper in terms of efficiency and success rate and, and red zone and field position, all that stuff. Alabama makes the big plates and it could just simply come down to, you know, does Jalen Milrow complete one deep ball or two? You know, just little things like that really could make the difference in the game. Um, I I am floored. Well, no, no, I'm not. I'm not floored that Alabama, it, that it's basically even in the sports books right now. Uh, a week ago, it would have been like Michigan minus six because, you know, for all we talk about form and peaking at the right time, Alabama played its second worst game of the year a week and a half ago. But, um, you know, I, I, you know, SP plus sees Michigan with clearly obvious advantages here overall. Um, I don't trust that at all because it's Alabama in the playoff and it's Michigan in the playoff and Alabama makes all the big plays. But it is it, it is a really interesting matchup there. And, and like I said, I'll stop complaining. Uh, it's going to be fun. And the other one, Texas-Washington? Yeah, I mean, that one, um, you know, Washington, I, I, I've been catching flack for, uh, you know, from Washington no. fans this week because, you know, <laughs> shockingly, because, um, you know, Oregon was better than Washington the other 11 games of the season, but lost two toss-ups, and, but is still ahead of uh, Washington in basically any predictive metric on the planet uh, because of that. But Washington, there is no question. I, I even wrote it, I think, in, in my preview last week. Like, I think Oregon's a better team, but if it's close in the fourth quarter, Washington's going to win. Washington knows what they're doing in those situations, and they seem to just relax. Like Michael Penix can look completely off kilter and off timing for a quarter and a half. But if we got to score on this drive, we're going to go score on this drive. And uh, it was incredible watching what they were doing. I'm not sure Dylan Johnson is going to be as much of a factor in this game because Texas's defensive line is rough. Um, and so it will probably come down to Penix in the passing game. I think Texas is the steadier team here. But Penix in the passing game, every time they've needed to do something, they've done it. And um, I'm not going to be all that surprised if they do it again. Texas is a better team. I think we end up with, I guess, Texas-Michigan. Um, I, I, I'm never, ever feeling comfortable. I, my joke for years has been I always pick Alabama, and I'm almost always right. But I do think Michigan's been the better team this year. But I, and I think Texas is the best game, uh, best team here, Shades too. Shades of Washington that anyway. famous Rose Bowl before the most famous Rose Bowl, if we get Michigan and Texas in the championship game, the one in which yeah. Michigan yeah. beat Texas. Yeah, yeah we're, we're guaranteed fun matchups here. Alabama-Texas rematch, an old-school Michigan-Washington. Mm-hmm. They played in the Rose Bowl a bunch. Um, no matter what the pairing is, we're going we're gonna to get something fun in the final. No, no question about it, Bill. Pleasure, man. Uh, always enjoy your stuff. Give everybody a lot of things to think about, and maybe maybe we should put you in charge of establishing how the committee operates or how the selections are made uh, from this point forward as we embark on the 12-team era. Uh, just let me discontinue <laughs> my Twitter account, and I'll get right on that. Hey, uh, I'm hey, not Bill, gonna be on, I'm, least, I don't want to be on Twitter. If, sitting, uh, if uh, I... sitting in the stands at the Jaguars game the other night <sighs> and have and, – and no, wait. No, listen. The Florida uh, State people – no, nobody. Everybody. Fine, no problem, no problem. The uh, it was the Georgia guy, you know, some some Georgia guy came by all mad, stopped, give me the mean mug, and like, dog should have been in, and I was like, enjoy the game, nice to see you. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to figure. Reese, why did you keep Georgia out? I mean, That's come right. on, what? you jerk. 
Did you get like some some bad takeout in Athens when we were there for game day? You and I had a delightful dinner at Chuck's Fish. Uh, Athens, I mean, you know. We did. I mean, that, yeah. That's a funny thing. We're, we're <laughs> yeah. paid to opine, and there are a number of people who, who feel like that we had some say in this process. You know, I was asked, and I'll leave Bill on this now. I was asked a while ago, I forgot what show it was on, and they asked if I thought that we as a show, we as commentators, we who as many who have been in the sport, covering the sport, being, uh, you know, part of the growth and popularity through television of the sport, if I felt that we had any power. And my response was define power. I said, if you, if you mean, do, you think, do I think that someone says something on college game day, whether it's me and certainly, you know, if it's, if it's Kirk, Des, or Pat, um, given their, or, or Stanford Steve, who, all, all of whom played, if we say something on there, does it give the power brokers, the decision makers, something to think about and go, hmm, wow, you know, Kirk Herbstreit really feels strongly about this. You know, maybe I should look at it. Then I would say the answer is yes, there is power. If you mean by power that we make phone calls, dictate to somebody, or have such influence over grown, successful human beings that they are going to uh, align themselves with whatever opinion was offered on game day or on any other ESPN platform, then no, I don't think we have that power. Do we have the power to make people evaluate their stance? I think so. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. But I also think that all of those people in the committee room and all the conference commissioners, all those people are accomplished human beings. They didn't rise to the level of where they are by being uh, so weak-spined that they're going to listen to uh, Mr. Television announcer and decide that that's where they're going to align themselves. You know, might it make them think? Yeah, but it should. I mean, that's what we all do. We may all have an opinion on something outside of sports. We, we read a book, we read an article, we hear a podcast, and we go, hmm. And then we evaluate as to whether we agree with that, what parts of it we, that might merit consideration, and what parts of it are dismissed. That's just life. Bill, I'm sorry, I, I opined. Steve's, Steve's power, Reese, you're, you're underestimating. He has the power to make the team opposite of what he picks win. I mean, that has been clear week in, week out on College Game Day this year. <laughs> we welcome into the pod the great Stanford Steve, wearing a beanie from the farm and wearing the belt of a champion. It's not a belt. I've, I've worn that an award, right? It's an award. Yep. Uh, so you're wearing the award of a champion, having having picked the winner. Steve, congratulations on that. After my dismal performance, you, I had, I was one game behind, and then you blew me out of the water the last week in the picks. So congratulations. Yeah, the real ones don't judge you on the fridge. The real ones judge you on the pod. That's so right. if you do get occasionally <laughs> needled for your picks, just point. I think I think uh, Taylor, we need to get a graphic of Steve's final things because Steve picked some good games this year, man. I give him a lot of credit. How, how did the last fridge come out on game day, Steve? Of course, Reese. One and one. One and one. Are you serious? One and one. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. How many winning fridges did you have this year? Zero. Wow. That's hard to do. It, hard yeah. to do. I hope uh, – did Herb Street finish the Superdog thing with only one cover the entire season? I don't know if he got – I don't know what he picked Saturday. I can't – I really hope he didn't win for a number of reasons. Did I sni- – um, I was hoping I snuck in the second. You you could have because I I punted and had some fun, 
because I was I was actually with you with the outright. Oh, first. you were. Yeah, I I my Red Hawks. My original pick was Miami Ohio for Big Red, but then it didn't seem fun that every mm-hmm. that it was just like guys had the same pick. So I said, what's the biggest spread? in the FCS playoffs that could maybe get me back in this with Corso. And Mercer was you. getting like 33 and a half. I was like, <laughs> hey, maybe those Mercer Bears from Albany, Georgia, no, from Macon, Georgia, would uh, would go. No, they didn't. They got beat like a 1,000 to nothing. So they didn't come mm. to off. But anyway, that was fun. But um, listen, we're going to – we want everybody to have, have their shot at this. And we've spent a lot of time with Bill talking formulas, philosophy, how the committee should look at this going forward, whether it was appropriate. What did you think? Florida State rather than Alabama. You know, we we watched the SEC game together, all of us, and I thought our feelings were pretty entrenched of how impressive both teams were. I didn't have a problem with the decision. And all I'll say is this. For 10 years, this is what we were supposed to have. Four spots five conferences and and others and when there's more than four qualified teams you got to rank them and that's that's what I mean it's a shame or maybe it's not for the team that's left out but four spots and and more than four qualifiers somebody's getting left out and somebody's going to really be hurt and it's just didn't happen we didn't have enough qualified teams in, in years prior. And when I looked at what happened Saturday and the totality of it all, I I agreed I agreed with the with the committee. I think I, I think I said Florida State rather than Alabama, but I, I what I meant was obviously those who thought that Florida State should have been picked rather than Alabama. It's I mean it's really it's it's interesting because we just had two people on here Pete and you and I have uh, mm-hmm. our uh, judgments of the situation. <clears throat> two people who follow the sport uh, as closely as anyone who are super mm-hmm. smart guys <laughs> who look at it differently. And I don't know that there could be anything more, uh, a greater illustration of what is likely to go on in that committee room. And it's the one thing, and I think I've said this a few times, that you know does bother me when people start acting as if the committee makes this nefarious decision collectively. Think about who you're talking about in there. You're saying Jim Grobe. Yeah. Jim Grobe, you know, it has some agenda and is trying to get someone in. You know, Joe Taylor, you know, is trying to – that's not the way – That that's the only thing I take exception to. I'm, I'm actually – I'm here all for it, for the people who are unhappy with the decision and think it was wrong and think that, that is completely reasonable and disagreeing mm-hmm. with it. The, the part that I – that does bother me is when it – bleeds into the area of questioning the integrity of the people who are sitting in that committee room. That's, that's, un, that's patently unfair because Steve, you made the greatest point. Somebody is, you know, by yeah. definition, and Pete said it earlier in the podcast and Pete's been on this from back before he saw the light and, and came to work for us instead of working for others. Um, Pete, you know, the math wasn't right. Uh, mm-hmm. But the one thing I will say about that is that this sport for better or worse moves like a big battleship, a giant battleship. It doesn't make hairpin turns. In, in my entire life, the greatest hairpin turn they've made is this move from four to 12. You know, yeah. skip six, skip eight, go to 12. And typically it moves very slowly. I mean, think of all the years that it was that it was the bowls. You know, they're, 
Mm. This is patently unfair. Had a prominent Miami alumnus reach out and start talking about 2000, you know, when Miami got left out in favor of Florida State and and perhaps because of some uh, long-held ill feelings toward Florida State brought up 1993, you know, when Florida State lost to Notre Dame, same record, yet won the national championship. None of those things are relevant now. But the one thing it does illustrate is that this board has a long, long history of controversial decisions in terms of crowning champions. So this part of it's not new, and but you know this 12-team uh, at long last hairpin turn that's coming is going to alleviate a lot of that because when you play this many rounds of playoffs and you have this many um, this many teams that will get into the mix, like there's going to be somebody furious. You know, when a Liberty gets in with the 133rd schedule, there'll be somebody furious, but they're still going to be talking about the, the last seed in. But anyway. So. A couple things. Uh, my first time at the SEC championship game, I, I cannot wait to have full ownership of that extravaganza uh, just to see it. I mean, the weather couldn't be worse outside. I thought we were blessed to have mm-hmm. the setting we had. You know, I go over to, with Pat and Kirk to do the field goal, and, you know, we're all the way in the corner of the convention center, and we come back, and I'm like, oh, boy, this is – I mean, it's like, what, 11-10, and that kickoff's at 4 o'clock. Uh, just, just awesome uh, to have it there, and the idea of, of, of two fan bases here in that building, loud as hell every play because it's 50-50. Uh, although I thought there was a little more Georgia, um, but that didn't matter mm-hmm. in the end. The one thing I was going to say, Pete, are the dates announced for the twelve team? Like when the games are? So I was actually going to ask. Uh, I was going to ask Reese this: like, where would we be next year uh, when Bill was on earlier yeah. at this moment? Because I believe Army Navy keeps its own day still, mm-hmm. um, and the Heisman keeps its own day. And I guess if we work backwards, um, looking looking at a calendar here, you can tell I didn't take any math classes at Syracuse. <laughs> um, I mean, the, one of the problems of was there was always going to be games like around Christmas. Yeah. And it's also because of wild cards, some of the games are going to be like on Thursdays and Fridays. Um, and this is, again, like schedule minutia that were like big stories in the summer that I haven't thought about in a little while. Um, but I guess if you go three weeks... So this year, you know, are there are there? Uh, do you go like twenty one, twenty two, December twenty one, twenty two, which is a Thursday, Friday? Reese is better at this stuff. When when I started working at ESPN, I realized two things: one, people talk about scheduling a lot more than at any other job, and people talk about ratings a lot yeah, more than any yeah. other job. And I don't know a lot about scheduling and ratings, so I should probably keep it that way. I'm, I'm looking at, uh, and I I had to look this up. The next year, the first round on campus games. Uh, there will be one on Friday, December 20th, and there will be three on Saturday, December 21st. Wow. So we'll be on a college game day site. Sure. No, no on question. On Saturday, yeah. December 21st. I'm sure. Yeah. That is, and that will be very cool. That'll be awesome. It'll be, it'll be fun. And then just, Steve I, will be wearing that hat actually. Yeah. Just, then <laughs> just, uh, for the quarterfinals then one quarterfinal on New Year's Eve, it'll be the Fiesta Bowl. And then the, Peach Bowl, Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl will have a triple header on New Year's Day of, wow. of um, quarterfinals. And then, then you go into what Pete was talking about, the Thursday-Friday semifinals. And I want to talk transfer portal after this, but we'll give you one other little thing. You know how coaches 
they've got plenty of time, by the way, because they have like 10 or 11 days uh, to get mm-hmm. ready for the national championship game. The, the winning coach from the Friday game, as opposed to the winning coach from the Thursday oh. game, you can lay oh. money. Here's your, here's your prop bet right here. You can guarantee that whoever wins that Friday night game will say in the aftermath, well, Team X, whoever they're playing the following week, they, they got a head start on us. Yeah. <laughs> so, they're already ahead. Oh, yeah, already ahead. We're, we're fighting an uphill battle here. So anyway, it will be fun. The only thing more predictable would be Kate Thamel being like, wait a minute. You have to go away the week of Christmas, the week after Christmas, uh, again? then the next week, then the next week. Yeah, <laughs> at least you should. We should have a little bit of, of Christmas after that because it's New Year's Day and New Year's Eve. Okay, let's yeah. uh, let's let's dive into Portal real quick before we wrap up with mm-hmm. Army Navy. It's it's spinning the Kyle McCord thing. We we touched on a little bit earlier this week. Uh, a lot of guys from Ohio State. Um, what what else? What's the biggest thing you're seeing in the portal right now, Peter? Well, there's 90-plus quarterbacks, and <laughs> I don't know how many of those 90-plus are, like, thumper starters to to really, you know, to, to, to really change your program. Uh, USC has been flirting around Cam Ward. They've been flirting around Will Howard. Oregon, it looks like Dylan Gabriel is a heavy favorite to go there. Uh, Washington's in a unique spot. I've heard a lot of Will Rogers buzz uh, there, although that's not done. That's uh, that's just buzz. Ohio State, you know, Devin Brown gets an audition in the bowl game, right? It'll be really interesting to see if they jump in the sweepstakes. Uh, you know, the, all these blue bloods who have, if you look at uh, Malachi Nelson at SC with uh, Miller Moss, for example, like you have these guys, you've recruited them for three years. Yeah. They come, you develop them. You have to play the the uh, three card Monty of okay he comes in then you lose your room um, you know we saw it a little bit at Notre Dame last year when Hartman came in mm-hmm. they had uh, future lacrosse All American Tyler Buckner leave and then they obviously had Drew Pine leave uh, as well so these are really difficult decisions because it's easy for us to sit there and say oh he's going to go there he's going to go there but you got like years of relationships built you got trust you got trust in the high school coach you got it so it's the, you know, for, for a place like Ohio State, the the do they or they don't they, it, you know, in, in a place like USC, you know, Washington has uh, a really good player, young player on campus, um, I think Dylan Morris, and then they got a five-star committed from the Sacramento area. Like, does that change the calculus too? Um, what if Carson Beck leaves Georgia? I mean, he's a solid, solid prospect who was rising. He didn't play great in the SEC title game, but that, that could be open. Florida State's in the market. Um, there's uh, there's a, a couple guys that they had, that they that they've looked at there. There's a little bit of buzz of DJ Uyunglele, but I think he's a little down their list. Um, LSU uh, is probably going to go with Garrett Nussmeyer, um, who's who's been the longtime backup, who I think is a really really talented uh, guy. Riley Leonard is on the campus at Notre Dame as uh, as as we speak. I was told his great grandfather played football at uh at Notre Dame and that appears that that appears to be faded but it's not done until it's done in this I think at places like you can go start at Iowa you can go start at Wisconsin you can go start at Miami uh Louisville picked up uh Tyler Shuck last night a talented hard luck guy who just Mm. you know I was looking back he had broken collarbone re-injured that shoulder the next year and then this year had a broken fibula um 
So it'll be interesting to see if Jeff Brom, who, by the way, should always be a top veteran portal target for quarterbacks because they huck it. He's a great play caller. So anyway, that's a, uh, oh, in Oklahoma, um, you know, do they go with Hawkins or one of the young guys or did they go back to the portal? So that the the future of college football in 2024 is being shaped in these upcoming weeks at the quarterback position. One question, Pete. I saw, uh, I think it was after uh, the Wisconsin-Minnesota game. I just saw it this week. But Fickle talking about the idea, this six- and seven-year plan for players, I thought was really, really interesting. Uh, and then I see mm-hmm. Cam Rising coming back to Utah – Seven years, yeah. Seven years. He was he was a part of the recruiting class at Tom Herman's second year at Austin. Is is there a line for the COVID year? So I like, keep looking we... back. Like the, there's like if you are now 21, 22, 23, If you're now a true junior, you don't have the COVID. Okay. So I do a lot of these breaking transfer things, and it's literally like counting on my fingers. That... Like, and then if you got injured, like shock. That's where you get the seventh. That's where he had JT Daniels. Um, He ended up with six because of the retro. But yeah, like, so it, there are, but I mean, Tyler Shuck started in 18. Yeah. So he was like, COVID was like middle of the middle of his career. He started seven games in the COVID season. So any, any inside link where Buckner is going to go play lacrosse? So I had seen inside lacrosse who knows lacrosse better than any publication report that he was going to go back to Notre Dame. All right. I've not confirmed that National yet. champions. Uh, Boo Corrigan's brother, Kevin, is the cross coach at yeah. Notre Dame. Because mm-hmm. it all comes back That's to college football. Right. It, well, you know, the question I would have about about Tyler, because I I don't know what his graduation status is, is he through with football? Or is he going back to lacrosse, you know, like mm-hmm. in the interim, you know, while the year he would have to sit for football? Because my understanding is he'd be immediately eligible in a different sport. But... You know that that would be interesting too. But anyway, it's it's a fascinating time with all of the with all of the moves and the I saw Kyle McCord. I guess somehow I don't know how real this was linked with Nebraska. Uh, you know, certainly that would be an upgrade. And it, it sort of blows my mind. I mean, people are going to have judgments about players, and and players certainly, especially at that position, want to know that their coaching staff believes in them. But it's a it's a fascinating thing that a guy can start every game in a season at Ohio State in which they were in the national championship race, number one for a portion of the season, have the ball in the big house, driving for the win, throw an interception, didn't work out, and you're in the portal. Mm. I mean, I, and don't misunderstand when I lay that out. That is not a criticism of Kyle no. McCord. I'm, I'm good with the portal. It's a short I know even with the six and seven years, it is still a relatively short period of time, short careers that, that these guys have. You need, you need to be able to do these things. This may change when things are collectively bargained because I think mm. I might have pointed on the podcast earlier this week. By definition, collective bargaining means you have to give up something. And it could yeah. be to get some of this trust money, revenue sharing, whatever it comes to with the latest thing from the NCAA – that that the thing that is given up is some of this freedom, or maybe there are stipulations or conditions, uh, further stipulations or conditions that are put on movement, and that might come with getting paid. But in the interim, when it's just an IL, and 
is sort of flows, you know, it's only sort of flowing one way in terms of revenue distribution from media rights and all of that kind of thing. And schools not treating players as employees as long as we are there and it hasn't been collectively bargained out. I'm, I'm on the side of the players. If, if they mm-hmm. need to move, they need to move. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's the way it is because there are plenty of coaches who have called guys in. Steve, you know this as well as anyone because of your connection with virtually everyone in the sport. There are plenty of times when guys get called in and said, you're, you're a good guy. You can stay here as long as you want, want but understand you're not playing. Understand yeah. you're never playing. Understand that if everyone at your position gets hurt, we're going down to the Sigma New house and we're going to get a guy who's lying on his bed and we're going to play him before you, but you can stay. And that's sort of the hinted way of going, yeah, you can, but we really, 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 really want you to leave. That's yeah. happened forever. And, no yeah, and so that's why I tend to be on the side of the players in this as they try to find uh, the best situation for them. Uh, you don't have much of that. Uh, not much of it at all with uh, Army and Navy. Are you? What is your? What's your experience? Have you been to your Army Navy extravaganza? Yeah, before? I've been to four or five. Yeah, uh, and it's one of the few things in sports, Reese, that lives up to it every time. No matter what it is on the field, what the records are, the buildup. Uh, I can't wait to to uh, be on the set for game day with you guys. You know, Boston. You know, the 250-year anniversary of, of the revolution, that's why it's there. I think that's super cool. And I'm not a Boston fan in any way. Celtics, Red Sox, Pat- nothing. Never been a fan of them. But when they do an event and they have a special celebration, it's hard to find anybody that does it better. So, uh, you know, being at, at, at Gillette, uh, knowing how great that stadium is, and just the idea of what comes with this game, it's never – it, you can't ever doubt any scenario, whoever's going to show up. Um, and it's just, it's fantastic. The The idea of togetherness that everybody has in these service academies is switching to the idea of hate for one day is awesome. And, you know, I got family at, at the Naval Academy now. I'm living in Maryland now. I've been down here a while. I was always the guy probably because it was uniform-based, but growing up in Connecticut, you know, West Point was less than two hours. I was always the guy that rooted for Navy. I don't know. I think it was the uniforms. I like the I like the Navy and gold better better than um, the cadets, and I just always had an affinity. I, I grew up. Uh, we were fortunate enough to have some older guys uh, in my town of Ansonia that were part of the um, Army, and like as bitty basketball, Little League baseball, our, our all-star teams – would go up to West Point and play. It's funny. Uh, I texted Jess Sims. She went up there to do a feature for us. In the gym that she's in, I played a basketball game, and I, I recognized it like nothing. And those memories are something I'll never uh, forget. Playing against you know um, Lieutenant Sons and stuff like that. So I, I can't be more fired up to end the season here. I think it's the perfect. You know, we talk about all the stuff with the sport. This is a great way to end it, and um, it's. It's, it's awesome. Like I said, every single time it lives up to it and uh, not more fired up. You know, when I not long after I came to ESPN, we have a, a guy who's worked in the research department, just a wonderful human being, tremendous at his job, man called Paul Kenny. And Paul, mm. Paul's dad was a longtime SID in Army. And as Paul and I were working together in my early days at, at ESPN, even before I was covering college football, I was working on the uh, car racing show. 
And before that, even the sports smash, Paul and I became friendly, found out, you know, that, uh, you know, both loved college football. His dad worked in Army and um, or have worked in Army. And so in 1998, um, Army was playing that undefeated Tulane team. And it so happened that I didn't have to work that Saturday. And Paul graciously uh, took me to West Point to see everything that weekend and to see uh, see the game. And sitting in Mikey Stadium and looking out and being able to see the Hudson and think, man, uh, Blanchard and Davis and Pete Dawkins, you know, and yeah. all those, they played down there. And, you know, just the setting was so... Uh, pure and throwback and while it is certainly different playing in the NFL stadiums in which Army and Navy play in now the atmosphere for it's cool the game day in the morning is is great uh, with the the core and the brigade showing up or so many of them showing up um, you're you're sort of you're really inspired you know I think yes. by and, and it gets it becomes trite because you know we we say those things but it's really not if you experience it and you kind of really stop and think about the schedule that that all of the people at both academies go through but particularly if you're a football player and then also looking at the success that both programs have had you know over the last yeah. several years and the way um, you know Navy has you know competed in some years when Ken Niamatololo was there they they were in the mix you know, for the American championship. And when Army yeah. you know, took a great Oklahoma team, you know, in Norman, you know, right down to the end. And Army's done that under Jeff Munkin a number of times. It's, um, you know, the level of football that they're able to play while it's still not being the number one priority for those players by necessity. It, it can't be because there are so many other demands. It's still really, really important. But they have so many other demands that if football is number one to them, it is it has to be co number one. There are other things that that get equal billing for and, those guys. And that's the thing here in in this college football world we're in, Reese. You know, you got five stars, you know, going on visits and choosing a school. These guys playing in an Army Navy game chose this, and for many of them, it was their first choice. That's all you need to know about the type of person that, you know, that that lines up Saturday. It's it's a different person. It's a person I just respect the hell out of. And you talk about being inspired, exactly, because you think about the choices these guys made when in a spot where you do have a choice. And these are these are this is the road these guys have taken. Hats off, like that that it doesn't get any more stronger than that. Now you said uh, that you have a an interesting proposition resulting yes. from the Army and Navy game. What have you got there? <laughs> so plenty has been made of the over-under, right? And now we are in Iowa territory with this game with a total being posted of 27.5. The line actually moved up this morning. Army is minus three now. But I will ask you, do you want to take the over or under on first half total points and that number is is 13 and a half. 13 and a half first half points? Yes. I'm gonna take Both the, teams combined. I'm going to take the under. Okay. I mean, that would be, was, I'm trying to think of the score. That would, that would be 7-3, 7-6. That, that feels right. 10-3 would get me home. Uh, 
Yeah. yeah I, the half I think the half is big because what knowing this game and seeing it yeah. so many times, the idea of avoiding a big play, mm-hmm. you have to do it. And like two years ago at MetLife, Navy busted uh I think it was second or third play of the game, touchdown. That changes the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And if you could ever go up two scores and then then it's a whole different animal. Um but that and then in the red zone, where these guys get their first downs uh inside the red zone is so key between holding them to, to, to three or ultimately giving up that seven that both teams are not fit to overcome uh, multiple of those. So uh, it's it's just fascinating um, just lining up and uh, how fast it goes. I mean, that clock, you look up and it never feels <laughs> like it stops with those guys wanting to churn the legs. And, and the idea of just how familiar they are with each other obviously factors into everybody loving to bet the under in that. It's uh... – that is the thing because they're it, it's a year round deal, you know. It's yeah. obviously on all the walls, but it's a real year round deal, you know. It's not, mm-hmm. uh, there are other rivalries, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, certainly to a large degree, that's year round, but it just feels it, it feels different in terms of this. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad we're going back. We didn't go last year, and I'm, I'm yeah. glad that we're back. It's uh, it, it's gonna be gonna be a it's, fun morning. It's uh, it's always – I always – go. I talked about being able to go up to West Point when I was young. I think – what's the high platform in the pool that's not the springboard? Is that – is it – you know, like the heart – The platform. The, high one. The, the platform. You mean how high is it? I think it's 10 meters. Yeah. It's 10 meters. 10 meters. It? I think, yeah. Whatever that high one is, we were we had the chance to go off of that. And, you know, guys are jumping off the springboard doing flips. We're, we're 13, 14 years old. And – I asked if we could go up to the top, and this is before I knew I was afraid of heights. And <laughs> you found out then? I, you're, yeah, you are, you're up there, and you literally look down into this giant pool, and in the bottom of the pool, what does it say? Beat Navy. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, we could, we could go up there and go off of that? And the commander was like, you're in West Point. You could do whatever you want, boy. You got inside the walls. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> So sure enough, we we all jumped off, and like I said, it's just stuff you you never forget. Um, but yeah, it's it's awesome to see the different places where it says beat Army or beat Navy on on either campus. Both campuses are just incredible. I get over to Annapolis whenever I can just to walk around. Uh, it's it's that special of a place to me. So uh, yeah, take we'll take it up to Boston and we'll figure it out. And we'll bring it to you Saturday morning on College Game Day. Steve, always a pleasure. Uh, Pete working on some breaking news. Keep an eye on ESPN.com for that. This has been the College Game Day podcast. We urge you to subscribe or download wherever you prefer to get your podcasts.